Good morning. How's everybody? Good? Worship was pretty awesome, yeah? All right. Don't everybody uh, jump up at once, all right? You're making me nervous. Um, so I, wasn't, I don't usually even really pay attention when there's a large group, but one of the people that uh, helps us out on Sunday mornings walked over to me, and she said some other things, but she basically said, hey, a lot of people here this morning, eh? And I'm like, well, good. I hadn't thought about it. And um, then I looked around, and I needed a new diaper, so... Um, if I seem a little nervous, uh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll get through it. But I uh, just want to thank you for being here with us today. Uh, my name is Ryan Miller. I'm the family pastor here. They usually try to keep me off stage if at all possible. Um, but I managed to talk Chris into uh, weasel my way in. No, I'm just kidding. Chris loves to share the stage. He's great. Um, and what we're talking about this series for us is called One Word. And when we went to staff retreat a few months ago, we started talking about what do we want our year to look like? What do we want our year to say? And what do we want to accomplish? And this is what we came up with how to start it off and go in the the direction of using your influence to make a difference for the kingdom. So we really started talking about it and unpacking the idea and we thought, hey, it'd be cool to take three different people and take their one word and then let them talk about that. So Chris did the first word. He did influence. He did influence. Um, I'm doing this week, obviously, um, and my one word is passion, as you might be able to tell. And then we've got another guy coming to do, uh, coming up next week, but I'm not going to tell you that is. I'm going to keep that a little surprise. Um, and let, uh, let, let you see when he gets here. Um, passion for me is something that when they said, hey, what's your one word? It was kind of automatic for me. Um, I knew exactly that that was the direction I wanted to go. Um, I knew that was the, the thing I wanted to talk about because for me, passion is something that it just, it's, it's in my life. It's in who I am. If I don't, if I'm not completely into it, I'm probably not into it at all. Um, I don't really do things halfway. It's kind of a, a fault of mine because, um, I usually just won't do things that I'm not passionate about. I have to work through that. But passion for me is just, it's easy to come by. And I'm not saying that for Jesus. I'm saying that for just life. I get very passionate about the stupidest thing. You know, I'm, I'm really passionate about Duke basketball. Um, they lost yesterday. I was really passionately screaming at the TV because they were playing like idiots. Um, but I mean that in the most Christ-like way possible. But so I, I'm passionate about my family. That's not a stupid thing to be passionate about. I love my wife. I love my children. I'm very, very passionate about the, about them. I'm passionate about you guys. I'm passionate about one church. I'm passionate about your kids. Um, in particular, not that I'm not passionate about the adults. I love you guys too, but I really love your kids. Um, it's an honor to get to do what I get to do here. Um, it's my privilege every week to get to come and be a part of such an awesome place like one church. You guys are absolutely fantastic. But the thing that I'm processing through now, and as I talk about this, what I need you to keep in mind, and I'll address it several times, is that I'm not passing judgment on you. I'm telling you things that I'm struggling with in my own life. I'm telling you things that I'm having to work through myself. I'm giving you things that I am having trouble with. So don't, by for any one minute, think that I'm casting judgment on you. If you feel that way, that needs to be between you and God. I'm not casting judgment. I'm telling you that this is something I'm struggling with. And one of the things that I have greatly struggled with is why is it that the church seems to be at this steady decline of influence? Why is it that Christians are at a steady decline of influence? So I started doing some research. I found out the top two things Christians are known for. This will get you. It's awesome. Made me really happy inside. That we're anti-gay and that we're anti-abortion. Now, the feelings on those, those don't matter. What bothers me 
is that the top two things that the God that created me for is known for, the God that sent his son to die for is known for, the top two things that our faith is known for is we're anti-homosexual and anti-abortion. See, a lot of times being passionate isn't a problem for everybody. It's being passionate about the wrong things. And the way we show that passion. See, a lot of us, every time I say P, that happens. That's awesome. A lot of us equate passion to how we talk about a subject. A lot of us will equate that, hey, that Ryan, he's passionate because he talks loud. Boy, Chris, he sure is passionate because, boy, he just gets right down in your face when he's talking to you. So-and-so is passionate because of how they communicate. And that has nothing to do with passion. That's why actors make so much money. And I'm not saying that I'm an actor. I'm just saying anybody can get up here and fake feelings about something. Anybody can get up here and string words together and make them make you feel good about yourself. Passion is... <laughs> trying not to let that distract me, but it's gonna. Passion is shown with your life. Passion is shown with your actions. Passion is shown with how you influence the people outside of here and what you influence them towards. That's your passion. (laughs) All right. I'm going to take this off in a minute and just start talking really loud. That is what passion is really about. And that's what determines it the reason that the church is becoming more and more irrelevant is because Christians don't have any passion. We claim to know the greatest love that our earth has ever known, but we have no passion for him whatsoever. We claim that we're so in love with this Jesus who died for us, but we have no passion for him whatsoever. We show up to Sunday, we show up on a Sunday, we head to the house, we have lunch, and we take our afternoon nap. Some of you guys, you watch some football, and then it's over. We'll see in a few hours, and then I'll be back in seven more days, God willing. But it never translate out, translates outside of here. Quick story. I had a, um, used to install cable. And um, I didn't love it, but it was good. It, you know, you got to go in people's attics and there's mice and rats. And um, I'm terribly, 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 terribly afraid of rats and mice, especially rats like if a rat for instance, were to come on the stage, I would scream like a little girl and run out of this building and it would take weeks for them to get me to come back in. I am terrified of them. I don't know why. Everybody's like, but you're, why are you terrified? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm afraid. (laughs) Okay, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, No more. Move on. Um, They like to razz me around the office because I'm not near as scared of mice as I am rats because a rat, I mean, we're talking... I'm going to freak out. Mice, I just kind of need to take a moment. And um, they give me a hard time about it. The officer like, you really need to discover why. And I'm like, no, I really don't need to discover why. I need there to not be any mice, mice or rats anywhere near me. Anyway, that, don't, that had nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So I used to install cable, right? And we used to have to go up ladders. Now, ladders not this size, but I couldn't bring one of the ones we used to use. So this is not the scale. But a lot of you probably have seen those uh, ladders. They'll go up to be like 32 feet, and they're double uh 
their sliders or whatever, and they're 16 if you just stand them up, and then you got to slide them up, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, cool. Painting a good picture? All right. So we, it was the day before Christmas. I want, it might have been the day before Thanksgiving. The day before some big holiday. And it was a light day, and we thought, hey, we're going to get done. We're going to go to the house. It's good stuff. Well, my boss had gotten called out on this job that had never had cable in it before, and it was this massive log cabin. Now, for those of you, and I'm talking like real log cabin, not like fake. They painted it like it was a log cabin. So for those of you who know anything about wood or, you know, drilling through that, it's not a lot of fun. And installing cable all through that house, I'm not going to go through the details, just not very much fun. And it never had the cable, nor was it wired for cable. So we were doing everything from A to Z. And we got there, and he called us all. He's like, come here, you're going to help me. So we all came out, and we were all ready to help him. And by ready, I mean sitting in a circle complaining about our boss. And um, he starts, you know, he says, all right, let's do it. Let's go over to the pole. Um, and you got to hook it up at the pole. Now, for those of you who don't know, if you have cable and you live in a house, there's a pole somewhere, unless you live in a, a new fancy subdivision where all your wires are underli- underground, there's a pole somewhere that somebody has to climb to hook your cable up. So be sensitive sometimes to that. That's all I'm saying. This dude, we got out there, and it's like this huge pole. Like, we were going to extend it all the way. And they were thinking, they were trying to figure out, well, here was the big issue. I mean, 15 guys, enough of us have gone up and down the ladder the first enough times that we aren't going to be scared. You know, we'll go up. Now, the first time I ever went up the ladder, I was, you know, I was freaking out. Like, I was just shaking, and, and the guy behind me is laughing. I'm like, I'm glad this is a good experience for you. But, you know, by now, I was good, but I didn't want to do this. Well, there's levels on the bottom of your ladder for the time when you get unlevel ground, right? So you can put one... You can leave one up, and then you can put another one down, and it makes it as though the ladder was there. Well, it was so unlevel, we couldn't do that. So what we had to do was somebody had to hold a side of the ladder in place while he climbed it. Well, they nominated the big guy. So I'm holding this for him, right, while he goes up, and I get tired because he's up there for a while. And so they got another guy helping us, yeah? So gets all the way to the top. He hooks it up. He comes down. He's laughing. Well, this dude was nuts. Okay. Um, he was one of those guys. He would do anything. When I say like we, we, by the time we were done, we would basically run up the ladder. He would fly up these things. I'm not even sure if he actually touched the rungs themselves. And he came down and because we were in his way, he couldn't just get down and I couldn't let go or the whole ladder was going to fall. So he decided he was going to jump. And Jason is, was the type of guy that he was so tough. It didn't really matter. Um, if he jumped and fell, he'd get right back up and grin at you, you know. Well, he, as he was jumping, he hit his foot on my big old head, and he lost, his, lost where he was going, and he fell down. Well, he fell down, and he did this barrel roll, which I'm not going to do because I'm not near athletic enough. And then he gets up, and he goes like this. Like that, right? He does one of them gymnastic salutes, letting us know, you know, hey, I did that on purpose. We knew that he did not. But it was funny. We had a good laugh, and then we went and finished this job. Maybe three weeks later, I'm on a ladder. I'm 22 feet in the air, and I don't really remember what happened. I just remember that I didn't. I came down from the 22 feet in the air really fast. And by that, I mean I fell. And I fell, and I, I messed myself up pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, I remember walking to the hospital and being like, I fell off my ladder. How high were you? Like 22 feet. No, you weren't. Because I drove myself, and they were expecting me to be, like, dead. And uh, I don't know what happened. You know, um, I guess my weight problem made me a little bit more aerodynamic. I don't know. But I had, like, a hole in my shin, and my shoulder was jacked up. And I ended up having to take, like, seven or eight weeks off of work. I couldn't move it. I still have problems with this shoulder. 
First day I went back, I was doing okay, and then I got out. It was really windy. It was freezing, and I got out to my job, and there was this huge pole. And it was, I mean, I had to extend my ladder all the way, and I was going to be standing almost on top just to be able to get to what I needed to get. And I remember starting to go up it, and I went up at about three or four rungs. I said halfway last service, but I was exaggerating. And, um, I, got, and I started doing this. And I was like, you know, and it got to one of those things, like, I didn't even want to come back down, you know. So I'm just going to hang out here. I'll feel better soon. I'm not, I'm, this'll, this, it'll pass. It'll, there goes another P. It'll pass. It'll, it'll pass. I'm going to feel better. And, I mean, 30 minutes later, this lady comes out, and she's like, son, are you okay? Ma'am, do I look okay? How many people climb a ladder and look like this? So she had this really soft voice, though, and I remember I'm shaking. Like, my knees are freaking out. I mean, I am freaking out. I'm flipping out. And this lady talked me down, you know, and she got me all the way down. And, you know, I'm like, your voice is so soothing. I just was drawn to it. And I came down the ladder and got down, and I was good. But I immediately put my ladder back on my truck and was like, hey, I know that it's important to the job, but I'm not going to be climbing any more ladders. And they were like, hey, find a new job. So I left. Now, the point that I say all that for to make that is so many times in our life, for whatever reason, we're on our ladder or we're in our life and we're holding on to it just like this because something's happened or because life hadn't gone the way it's supposed to have or we've had a string of bad luck. I remember having a two-year period of time where I lost four people in my life my grandmother died. My parents got divorced. I got kicked out of school. It was rough. I didn't have anything left. I wasn't passionate about anything. The only requirement to be my friend was that you could breathe, you wouldn't die, and you would not hurt me. That was it. I did not have high standards. Just breathe, really, because you really can't determine whether or not somebody's going to hurt you. And I, would, I didn't have anything left in me. I didn't have any passion. I didn't have anything. And I remember that part of my life distinctly because I remember how miserable I was. And some of you have gotten so beat down by life that thinking about starting over and going back up when, it, when, it, when we talk about it in context of our faith, this is what you're doing. You're holding tight onto this ladder like there's nothing you can't let go. You know, you just, just want a happy family, small family, gated community. I'm going to homeschool the kids. Don't want them around bad influences. Man, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I homeschooled my kids one time. I just don't want to let them go out in the sun because of the rays. They're harmful. They're harmful. They say the sunscreen works, but it doesn't. I'm telling you, it doesn't. Not letting them out. I want to drive a minivan. I want it to have all the safety features. And I'm not talking about women either. Dudes are just as bad. We just don't say it. And this is how we live, like this, just gripped on. Like we don't, we're going to lose everything. Because we don't want to ever get to the point where we felt like we did when we got it beat out of us when we had the wind knocked out of us. So we slowly let life take passion away from us. We slowly let life take everything out of us and take all of our uh, passionate feelings about God and all the things that we do, we just let God take it from us because we've just been through so much. That looks different for everybody. Some you guys, I know your story. I could tell we would all cry. It's rough. Some of you, you've been through something that other people might seem might say you're small, but to you, it's hugely significant. And you cannot get moving again. You cannot get going again. And the passion from your life is slowly, completely leaving who you are. 
You show up to Sunday, you show up on Sunday, you show up to church, you raise your hands, and then you go home. Passion is nothing about how I speak up here. If my life doesn't look like something, some sort of picture of what I'm trying to paint, then I am not, I don't have any passion either. If I don't really do the things I talk about, if my life doesn't say, hey, he's passionate about Jesus Christ, then I don't have any passion either. My words mean nothing. You guys, we're in a time where words don't mean anything. My generation is only going to ask why more. Why, 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 why? Well, you shouldn't ask why. Well, that's not going to stop us. Why? Why do you do it that way? Why are you yelling at me? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why do we do that? Why, 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 why is the cornerstone for curiosity? Or excuse me, for creativity. Seth Godin said that. Why is not a question we're going to stop asking. So when you talk, (laughs) we're not impressed. When I talk, you're probably not impressed. But when you live like Jesus called you to live, we're impressed. We'll follow. We will follow. We will follow. But you cannot say, that you've met the greatest love that the, our earth has ever seen and then walk away unchanged and expect us to blindly say, okay, cool, let's do it, let's get a band. It's just not that way anymore. America is not a country that is still based around biblical values. You can continue to live in that fantasy land, but it's just not. You as parents are going to have to raise your children like you want them to be raised. You can't depend on other people to do that anymore. You as churchgoers are going to have to live outside of these of this building in such a way that says that you love Jesus. You know, I look and I, I've been just racking my mind, why is it that our church is just so full? It's just dead. There's no passion. It's just been taken out. You see one in a hundred people who have this deep burning passion for Jesus. They'll do anything they can just to serve. Why is it that that is becoming such a small few? When I thought about it, I figured out what it is for my life. If I was to go around and ask every one of you, you would say that you would, you really, 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 really like Jesus. Even those of you, if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, you would probably say from what I know about him, from what I know about how he lived his life, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. You really, really, really like Jesus. But you don't want to be like Jesus. See, you're sitting over here and you're holding on to your ladder just like this. And then one day, you know, your greatest prayer in life is that you die asleep in a good dream and you just go peacefully. Hey, man, I hope I don't have to feel anything. And then one day you're going to wake up before God and all of a sudden you're going to go like you did something and it was on purpose. You're going to stand before God as a gymnast who's just finished and do the salute as though, hey, I stood there hugging onto that thing and I accomplished something big. And it was all intentional. Thanks, God. Hope you're pleased. 
how do I get inside those pearly gates? I got a big old burrito with my name on it. That's my fantasy that when I get there, I just go out there. That's not biblical in any way. That's what you guys are holding on to. That's what a lot of you think is going to happen. If I just live mediocre life. See, we're in awe and we're inspired by Jesus' humility, but we don't really want to be that humble. We think it's beautiful that the king of the earth, the, the prince, would get on his hands and knees and watch our disciples, watch the disciples' feet. But how many of you actually have a life that is moving in that direction of servanthood? How many of you are willing to lay it down? We think it's awesome that he's got his, he, they spit in his face and that his whole life on this earth was filled with nothing but pain for us. We think that's awesome. But we would never allow ourselves to be violated the way Jesus was. See, in short, we think Jesus is an amazing Savior, but not such a good role model. John, 1 John 2.6 says, and there we go, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. If you say that you love Jesus, if you say, hey, I've surrendered, I've said that he died for me, I love him because he first loved me, then you're supposed to live as he did. See, what happens is we end up settling for less than. We end up settling for mediocre. We end up settling for hugged on to our life and our precious little things in it, and we never take any risks. We never try anything outside of the box. We never say, God, you're big enough for me to say, I want to give you every part of my life. And however that looks, however that picture is painted for me, Fine, but I want you to know that I'm going to chase after you with everything I have, and I'm going to bring my family with me. I will not be content to show up on Sundays to have 2.3 kids and live in a three-bedroom house, drive a really nice car, and go to and fro every week. I will not. If you love Jesus, you have to live as he did. This is where I'm struggling with what does that look like in my life? If I never said a word, if I never said a word, what would my actions say to them? There's a quote that hangs on Josh, the worship pastor's wall, and I can't remember it exactly. He said something along the lines of, if my actions don't speak to them, my words never will. What does my life look like? If I had to shut up, if somebody was able to make that happen where I could not talk anymore, what would my actions say to people about the God and the Jesus that I serve? See, when we take a step back and we say, okay, passion. The person that showed us passion most clearly, shockingly enough, was Jesus. And I started thinking about, okay, what do I want to, what story do I want to tell? There's a lot. A lot of ways Jesus showed passion. There's a lot of ways Jesus showed how much he loved us. There's one in particular I want to talk about. There's probably, some of you might be going, this is random. It's in Luke 22. And what's happening is they know the time is coming. Jesus has, they've gone to the garden. They're going to pray. Okay, he's left some disciples here, and then he's taken three or four forward ahead ahead with him, and then he's asked them to pray, and then he goes ahead and prays by himself. that's what we're going to pick up. He was so tired that it actually says that 
um, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And then in verse 44, it's where we're going to pick up. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Now, this is important because I want you guys to think, when have you ever prayed so much or so hard or so intensely or so passionately that you sweat? I couldn't think of any times ever. I couldn't think of times I got closer. Now, I can think of times where I've sweated while I was praying, but that had a lot more to do with my weight problem and room temperature than it did my passion for what I was praying about. It was warm, and I sweat a lot anyway, and I was, yeah. But I've never cared, and I've been in some dark places. Like, I've been in some really dark places. I've wondered if this stuff is worth it anymore. I've asked some tough questions to God. I've been disrespectful to the Father. I've been in some very dark places in my life, and I have never been so passionate that I would be on my hands and knees calling out to God with so much passion that I began to sweat. And you don't see it here, but when you look in John, it details out a lot more of what he prayed. But the key thing, and it's in Matthew and Mark, I believe, that he prays is he says, God, if you can let this cup go, that would be great. But if not, your will, not mine, be done. So what happens is it was God's will, and Jesus gets crucified. We throw that word crucified around so much that it loses a lot of its power. But he got pulled out from where he was. He got taken in front of some different people to be judged. And then the guards took him and started having their fun. And they spit in his face. And then they took a crown of thorns and they shoved it on his head and they twisted it. Unfortunately, that's not where it stops. That's not even hardly where it begins. He did all that. He took it all and he never says a word. Never says anything. Nothing. Now, how many of you in here, especially some of you guys, how's that going to go if somebody spits in your face? I mean, for me, I mean, you know, we're we're going to go. I don't know how it's going to end, but I know how it's going to start. I'm not big and bad. Somebody will probably win the fight. I'm not going to roll around like a 12-year-old for fun. I'm just saying. You know, I've got a buddy who's like six foot eight. And he's a, you know, he's a professional trainer. That's what he does. He would devastate my life. One day, he just kept talking, and I said, listen, I'm sure this is going to go badly for me, but if you don't stop, I'm going to punch you in the face. In the name of Jesus, I promise. (laughs) Is how I said it. I said it with all love. And that's, that, and I didn't because he stopped talking. And he would have hurt me. He would have broke me in half. Six foot seven, his arms are as big as my face. But if somebody spits in my face, or even more so than that, if somebody was to spit in my wife's face or some of my children's face, man, it's just saying, it's it's on. It's on. Weapons, tables, knives. Because you have to be able to stand up 
for yourself. That's the way we all will look at it. See, we're glad that Jesus gave up all his rights for us, but we're not going to give up our rights for anybody. Absolutely not. We're glad that Jesus served us in such a way, but we're good to not ever serve anybody. And if we do, it's just when we come here to appease our conscience and make ourselves feel more accomplished. Or for some of you who are really struggling, it's for you just so you can have something that makes you feel better. But it has very little to do with God and with Jesus. He was spit on. They took a whip to his body and ripped his flesh off. He could have, I mean, he could have said, you know what? <clears throat> I thought this was going to be okay. Now I'm a little angry. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take care of business. And it had been over. And it had been over for us, too. Because then we get the punishment that we really deserve. But he stood there and he never said a word until they, they, they nailed him to a cross. They nailed him to wood. And they stood him up. And he looks out and he says, Forgive them, Father. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. See, he loved me so much, and he loved you so much, and he thought there was something so special inside of me and so special inside of you that instead of doing what he could have done, which was say, you know what, I'm going to start over. I'm going to start fresh. He just stood there, and he took every bit of it. He thinks that you're so amazing that you're worth doing that for. But what happens is we've dumbed that down so much. And we as the church, not one church in particular, but the church as a global sense, has made it so much about what makes us happy inside and what gives us the warm fuzzies that we've almost taken all of the fact. Whoa, that was deep. All of the fact that God died for us. Not 10 steps to a better life, not five steps to be able to know how to achieve such and such. That don't matter. Jesus said, I love you enough. I think you're amazing enough. I think that you're so beautiful that I'm going to lay down my rights and my life and my everything so that you can live in heaven with me. but we're going to have fun while we're here. And we'll be darned if we're going to let go of our death-tight grip of our ladder and our safe little life. See, over the years, people have made this book about if you do this, this will happen. And if you do this, this will happen. And if you do this, You'll get this. And at the end of the day, it turns into, if you follow what's in here, you'll be rich and happy, and you'll have everything that you ever wish for. And when you need me again, just come back to the Bible and rub on it like a genie bottle, and I'll pop out and grant your deepest wish. When in actuality, the Bible is, even if, even if, Jesus takes everything from us. God takes everything from us or allows everything to be taken. We will still love him. Even if 
life gets hard and we don't have all the answers and we don't know what's happening, we will still love him. Even if, even if, blank, what's the blank in your life? Even if this happens, God, I will love you. God, I will chase after you. God, I will let the same passion that you had for me come out in me. Passion doesn't involve yelling. That's our big idea today. Passion is less about, excuse me, has very little to do with words and everything to do with actions. Passion has very little to do with words and everything to do with actions. Jesus' actions said, I love you. Jesus' silence said, I adore you. Jesus is just sitting there and taking it and taking it and taking it. He said more in his silence with his actions. And he said, I love you. I love you. So forever you be changed by me. His grace isn't like this thing that you can just take when you want and not take when you don't want. You can't pass it out as though you see fit. It's his to give and he's given it to all of us. He said, you didn't deserve it, but I love you. Like we don't, he doesn't love you like you love Skittles or something. Like he really loves you. That's where the word started. It's this deep passion, compassion for us. This deep, holy fire that he has that burns for us. And he wants that to come out of you. And instead that looks like us standing on the opposite side of an abortion clinic with signs saying, We hate you or God hates you or whatever. What I am not saying, what I am not saying is that that, here's what I'm telling you. Let me just say it like this. Anybody can talk. Anybody can say, hey, God's mad at you. But it takes somebody who's passionate about Jesus to walk up to somebody that you know has made a wrong choice. And say, I want you to know, God loves you. And he didn't not die for you because you made a bad choice. And because I love Jesus, I want you to know that I love you. That's passion. Not a bunch of words. Don't matter. We have a saying inside of our family ministry that a hundred years from now, the only thing that matters is if these kids know Jesus. A hundred years from now, the only thing that matters is, did you know Jesus? And did the people around you see Jesus in your life? We come in here and we stick our hands up high. And we say, I love you. I love you. But then we go out there and there's nothing any different. The world can't hate us because we're just too much like them. The world doesn't look at us with spying eyes anymore because we're irrelevant. They're not, we're not even in a place where we, they're still talking about how much they dislike us. We're in a place where they just don't talk about us anymore. Because some long time ago, we stopped being passionate about Jesus and passionate about stuff that made us feel better. We started being passionate about what we wanted to be passionate about and leaving key parts of this book out. Like the part where you love, even when you don't want to. It's not a choice, it's a calling. You love because you are loved. 
You show passion because somebody showed passion for you. Jesus loves you so much. And he bare it all, bore it all, so that you could be free. And the great theological debates of this Bible don't matter if you don't believe that part. That's the beginning and the end. He loves you. And he loved you with a deep passion that he showed so loudly throughout his entire life. What picture is your life painting? In 2009, when my year's up, I hope people can say, Ryan Millard lived with passion. That song, forever, forever we're changed by your mercy. Forever we're changed by your grace. Forever. Are you really? Are you really? That's what I'm struggling through in my life. If that spoke to you, then I'm glad. We'll struggle together. If it didn't, please don't take it as any sort of judgment. What kind of person or leader would I be if I said, you have to love people, and then I got up here and screamed at you? For 45 minutes about what horrible people you are. I want God to take me to a new level of passion and a new level of love. And I hope in 2009, whatever your one word is, you'll remember first and foremost that Jesus absolutely adores you. That without God, you're nasty and you're destined for hell. But because of His love, And because he created you with love, he thinks you're wonderful. And he knows there's more to you than holding tight onto a ladder. Waking up one day in front of the judge and going, live a life to mimic the one that loves you. Let's pray. Father, um, Father, I love you, and uh, Father, I thank you that uh, you love me despite my failures and despite my weaknesses, Father. Father, I thank you for how beautiful your story is. Father, right now, I thank you that you love each and every person in this room, Father. Father, let them to live a life of passion. Not talk passion, Father, but your kind of passion, your kind of die for us, take it without ever a word, passion. Because, Father, forever we're changed by your grace. Forever we're changed by your mercy. Father, your word tells us that you loved us and died for us even though we were yet still sinners. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you that your love is not conditional. Let us to 
be passionate for you this year. We love you. Turn here, I pray. Amen.